welcome back to My Doc Journey. This is your host, Maureen Lee Maloney. And this week, we're going to be talking about settings for the Sony A7 Mark III. And this was a special request. Uh, shout out to Rachel. Thank you so much for letting me know uh, that, that you wanted to know about this. Again, I'm super happy to talk about whatever would be helpful for you guys. And uh, so if you have something you would like me to talk about, please just uh, let me know. You can email me at maureen at wildairfilms.com. Uh, you can contact me through the My Doc Journey website, mydocjourney.com. Okay, so getting into the camera, and I, I was trying to figure out the best way to approach this. So what I'm going to do is just kind of skip through the menus. Um, so if you have this camera and you uh, just want to kind of go through the menus with me, you want to first set your top dial to the to the movie mode dial, which looks like the film strip. And then click menu. So you first see uh, the camera icon with the number one. That first folder is a lot of just photography stuff. Uh, so I'm, you know, flipping through. So flipping through that first page. 11th is really where you start getting into video stuff. The top thing um, is going to be white balance, uh, which, and I'll get into this a little bit later, you're going to set one of your one of your custom buttons to be able to adjust white button white balance because you don't want to have to obviously go this deep into the frigging menus to adjust white balance. You want to be able to do that quickly. But here you can at least see, what happens when you click on white balance and there are, um, there's Kelvin and then there's presets for like indoors, outdoors, cloud settings and things like that. Clicking menu to go back, you're going to scroll down to picture profile. And honestly, this is probably what most people are going to be wondering about because most of the other stuff is pretty straightforward. Picture profile is where it gets complicated. And I'm going to be honest with you here. Don't hate me for this. I know you probably want a set it and forget it mode to put this in. And I'm not going to give you that. But I will narrow things down for you. So you click on picture profile and you can see there's uh, 10 different spots here where you can set your, your profiles. And if you click into one of them, you see there's a bunch of different settings you could put on here. So let's talk a little bit about what these mean. So when you go into gamma, that's going to be where you find your curves. And for those of you who don't really have an idea of what this is, think about, you know that when you take a picture or a video, that your camera has to compress down that information to store it on your, your memory card. And, and that your camera can't capture everything that's out there. And so things get lost. And with classic picture profiles, what happens is things that are too bright 
get really just sort of cut off so that things that are too bright just turn not even white, but this just sort of blindness. <laughs> and then things that are too dark get crushed into this sort of blackness where, where it isn't even like there's dark shadows there. There's just, there's just blackness and there's no just bright highlights in the whiteness. There's just, you know, that, that brightness. And obviously you don't want that to get the most cinematic looking footage. You really want details in every part of the screen. So you don't want your blacks to get crushed. You don't want your highlights to get washed out. And so these different gamma curves are going to compress the light and shadows in different ways so that you can get more details. Now the bad side to this is that sometimes you can get more noise and noise is one of those things that are gonna also ruin your picture. So these two things, the crushed blacks, the cutoff whites, and the noise are going to all ruin your picture. And so you're, you're trying to balance these things. So the S-log curves are going to give you a wider range of, of darks and shadows. S-log 2 is really going to cut off your shadows more. So that's really something you only want to use in bright light situations. S-log 3 is going to give you more versatility in low light situations, but we also have these other curves um, called the cine curves and uh, the HLG curves. And these are also going to give you more range. So what I would suggest is start with experimenting with these three things. S-log3, HLG, or HLG3, and then Cine2 or Cine4. So you can start there with your gamma curves, and these things are gonna give you different looks, and they're going to be more or less easy to color in, in post. Personally, S-log is such a pain to color, and I have a hard time really getting skin tones to where I want them to be. Granted, I am not a professional colorist, but I don't have the money to afford a professional colorist a lot of the time. So in most situations, I need to be able to color my own stuff. And so in those situations, HLG and Cine2 or Cine4 are going to work better. Try out the different things and this is going to help you to learn your camera and your camera settings better. So I realize there's a lot of other things. You don't have to go through all of them and test all of them, but you should definitely test those and see which ones work best for you. Uh, then going through the other parts of the picture profiles, things like black gamma, um, it's good to keep that range in the middle depending on how dark or light you may want to um, change the levels on that. Knee generally is not worth even messing with. Color mode, there's, there's kind of two color modes that I would suggest trying out and they are cinema and pro. 
Um, so with those, again, with those, just kind of see which ones you prefer. With saturation, it's generally a good idea to lower your saturation and that way you have more flexibility in post. And um, color phase, I, you know, I again is one of those things that is probably not worth messing with. Color depth is where you can actually go and adjust the saturation of individual colors. So maybe you want to play around with with adjusting those. That's not something that I'm into, but it's something that people do. Detail. Detail is one of those things where you're going to minimize the noise if you lower your level of detail. And then what you're going to have to do is sharpen your footage afterwards. So it is good to just go ahead and drop the, the detail level down to minus seven. And that's pretty much that for, for picture profile. You can, I mean, like I said, there's 10 spots here to save different picture profiles. So you can really customize these and, and easily switch between them however you want. Sorry if you really wanted an easy answer for that one. Okay, so going through back into menu, going to the next page, which is the second to last page under that first folder. Uh, peaking setting. So peaking is going to highlight areas that are in focus. Uh, the first thing that I do is I change my peaking color to red because otherwise, I mean, white and yellow just tend to get lost on the screen. They don't, not, aren't really helpful. And then with the peaking level, I keep that on low. You could, the level adjusts the sensitivity of the peaking, but peaking isn't really something you want to be reliant on for your focus. And so it's a helpful tool. It's a little bit of a crutch and that's fine, but you just keep your peaking level low and, and um, adjust for yourself. So going back into the menu on that last page and yeah, we're just going to move on to file folder two. And at the top of that, you have exposure mode. So you want to be in manual exposure. You, you should be setting everything yourself. File format. This is where you're choosing either HD or 4K. And this depends. If you're shooting your own film, you probably want to stay in 4K mode. If you are shooting for a client and they just want HD, then I would say just shoot in HD. Record setting, uh, you want to be, if you're shooting a film, the most cinematic footage is going to be 24p. If you're shooting a video for a client that they're going to put online, they may want 30p. And then once you get into 60p and 120p, those are more for slow mode mode. And if you are in 4K mode, then you're going to see the option for different levels at 24p. You're going to see 24p 100 megabits or 24p 60 megabits. And the 100 is going to have the most detail. You can go down into S and Q there. So this is slow and quick. So uh, this is basically where you can have pre-set up settings so that if you shoot something and when it exports, it automatically exports as either slow-mo or quick, which is like a time lapse. So you want to set your record setting to 24p 
And then your frame rate, if you're doing, uh, if you're doing slow mode, then you want that up at like 120 frames per second. If you're doing time-lapse, you want that lower at four or two or one. And again, this is one of those settings you wanna be able to click to quickly. And so we will get into setting um, up a custom button with that uh, so that you, know, you don't have to go deep into the menu like this. Okay, moving on, there's audio recording levels. Again, you don't wanna have to go into the menu for this. So we are going to put a button to, to do that, but you wanna make sure your audio, audio recording is on. Page five, you have, oh, well, you have the Finder monitor on here, which you, <laughs> so this is a really bizarre setting that caught me off guard when I, when I was first using this camera. It will, if you have it on auto, it will automatically switch to viewfinder if you put your face up to the viewfinder and then automatically switch to the monitor on the back of the camera if you move your face away. But the thing is, if you have the camera and you're bracing it close to your body in front of you, it registers as having your face up to the viewfinder and so it turns the monitor off which really screwed me up on a documentary that I was I was shooting for, um, and like where where it just sort of I hadn't I didn't have this camera yet, and somebody just handed me. I actually don't even think it was the the A seven three. I think is the A seven S or something like that. But somebody handed me the camera and was like, "Here, shoot with this," and this auto setting was on and I'm shooting and the monitor keeps turning off. It was a nightmare. Anyway, just don't worry about your viewfinder. Just turn it to monitor manual and that's that. You just use your monitor. Zebra setting. So zebra sit setting, if you go into here, this shows you if things are overexposed and it does that little, you know, the stripes on the screen. You can set this to different levels. Uh, there is the idea out there that you will always expose white skin properly if you have your zebras set to 70%. I don't trust that, but I do keep my zebra levels on this camera anyway. You can do different things on different cameras, but on this camera, I just keep my zebra level at 100%. If it's overexposed over 100%, then, then I know, then the zebras are on. Going back, I keep my grid line, my square grid on my camera. I keep my exposure set guide on. Okay, and then the second to last page, we're getting to the custom key. So if you click on custom key, then you can go through and you can set the button. So there's up, um, there's, you'll see C3 by your left hand on top of the camera, C1 and C2, and a bunch of other uh, buttons here. So C1 I have as my white balance button. It just kind of makes the most sense to me for it to be up there. And I can just click on that and my white balance settings come up. C2 I keep as my picture profile. I don't change that very often. And so, you know, that's 
It's a little hidden out of the way, but it's there if I need it. C3 is one of my zoom into focus buttons. So C3 for me zooms in like halfway so that I can focus. And then the other one, which is across from that, which says AF on on the button, and then it has a little magnifying glass next to it. That I keep as my super zoom in. So that zooms in like four times or something like that. And see what else. Um, my AEL button, which has the sort of checkerboard next to it, that's my zebra on, zebra off button. And this is another important one because sometimes the zebras are in the way. And the, the spiky button, that's my audio button. It's really easy for me to remember because sometimes these things are just hard to remember. Uh, it's easy to remember that spiky button is setting my audio levels and it's kind of right there because that changes a lot and frequently. So that's right there, easy to hit. The ISO button is another one that I'll use pretty frequently, but fortunately that is has its own label on it. It's it's on the right side of the wheel. So I just keep that there. Uh, the function button is actually where I keep my S and Q settings. Display, obviously that's just, you know, that's pre-labeled too. So, you know, you can change your display however you want. I can, if I hit my, my wheel to the left, then I can turn my peaking on and off. Uh, and if I hit the, my wheel down, then I can change my monitor brightness. This is another one that I don't change regularly. But um, if you're out in sun, because I, normally I keep it on uh, like a minus two so that I can save. I keep the brightness on minus two so I can save battery. But with this, I can quickly brighten it if I go to the sunny weather setting if I do like suddenly need it need the monitor to be much brighter. I think that is pretty much it. You can you can set the little trash can, which I have set to focus mode, but I never go into autofocus. I, I haven't found a, a lens yet that works really well in autofocus on this camera. That would be nice, but that's just not the reality of this situation. So that's pretty much that. You know, I try to always keep my ISO at 800 on this camera. Obviously, if it's really dark, then I then I go up as high as I need to. Um, if it's brighter outside, then I just add an ND filter. I do not try to go lower than ISO 800. And I also try not to go smaller aperture than like an F7. I try to keep my aperture larger than that. Uh, video just tends to not look good at, with a really deep uh, depth of field. Also, you have to be careful about any sort of um, particles that are on your sensor at that point. If, if you have a shallow depth of field, it's a lot more forgiving to there being a particle on your sensor. But if you've ever seen a video where there's like a big clump of black something in the corner that stays there throughout your footage, that's something that's sitting on your sensor. This can be taken care of by regularly making sure that your sensor is clean, you know, before you put your 
lens on, you should definitely always take a look at it, make sure there's no particles on there, have a little air blower, puff some air on there. But um, that having a, your wide open aperture helps with that too. Definitely recommend keeping a notebook with a checklist with all your gear because a lot of times you get out there into the field and it's chaos. It's just chaos. And it's hard to remember all of these things. It's a hard to remember double checking your shutter speed, double checking your white balance, double checking your ISO, um, cleaning your sensor and, and just all the steps that you have to go to to ensure that you're going to get good footage with the right settings and all of that kind of stuff. And so just keep a checklist with your gear and make it a habit to always go through this checklist before you start and after you stop. Things like making sure you, you know, you take out your memory cards and put all your footage onto two hard drives. Things like that, that might seem really obvious, but stuff gets crazy and you're going to forget it and potentially lose footage. So you don't want to do that. So that's what checklists are for. I hope this was helpful. There was a lot that I skipped over just because there's not that much that is that I regularly adjust. So if I missed something that is critical to you, please let me know uh, because it's entirely possible that I did that and I did not do it intentionally. So I am halfway through my crowdfunding campaign right now. Things are going pretty well. Uh, we're at about 55%. Um, the Seed and Spark website has been operating smoothly. I have a lot of thoughts regarding that for sure. And I am tentatively planning to record those thoughts as soon as the campaign is done on April 14th. Although I am getting my second Moderna vaccine on April 13th. So that was potentially poor poor planning. Depending on my my state of being on the 14th, I may or may not come out with a podcast on that day. So that remains to be seen. But I do have a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings about crowdfunding that I'm excited to share with you. Thank you all for listening. I hope you have a great week and I will talk to you later. Mm-hmm.